Good morning. Pardon my preparation time here. Bear with me a little bit this morning. I've been uh, dealing with some sinus problems the last few days, and if any of you have them, you know it's not a lot of fun to deal with. We're going to do the best we can this morning. You know, if you um, drop the thing that the microphone's on, it's not a good thing. If you lose your notes, that's even worse. This was not supposed to be a comedy show this morning. But at least maybe it lightens us all up a little bit here, huh? Okay. If you drive up and down Wanamaker, Fairlawn, Gage, one of the busy streets here in town, you will see, undoubtedly, everywhere you look, Billboards, signs, marquees, advertising this where, that where, whatever it is they're selling. If you pick up the newspaper, you'll see basically the same things. You'll see information. The TV brings us information. The radio brings us information. All sources of mass media bring us information. Cell phones, a wonder of today, marvel. A little pocket phone, you can get calls from around the world, you can check the internet, you can watch movies on a cell phone. It's all information. The web, the World Wide Web, one click on the web and you've got millions of websites at your disposal that you can find. What? Information. Some good, some not so good, but it's all there. Email. You don't even need a phone anymore. You can just type it out and send it to someone. You can send it to 50 people if you want to. It's information. And the old standby, the United States Postal Service. I hope no one works for the Postal Service. And I'm not making fun of the Postal Service. I'm just saying. Still, they provide us with a means of information and and transferring information one place to another. Do you know all that falls under the header of communication, communicating, communicating with each other. You know, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, as a Christian, as a believer, what's the most important type of communication we can have? What is it? It's prayer. It's prayer. It's our link to God. And as I started thinking about this too, I started looking at it from the perspective of a new Christian. And if you've all been new Christians at one point, we've all had questions. We've all been curious about this new life that we're living. So as I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, I would have questions about prayer. (coughs) So that's what we're going to look at this morning, is prayer. And I'm going to throw in this disclaimer before I get to that point. At home, I have this big book, and it's called An Exhaustive Concordance. Exhaustive Concordance. My study, my teaching, is not exhaustive. We're scratching the surface here. These are just a few things that I feel are important about prayer. So first of all, I want to look at mm, why. Why should we pray? 
And then I want to throw this in on top of why that question. Matthew 6, 8 says, Your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask. He already knows what we need. It tells us right here. Jesus told us right there. So, do we need to remind him? Did we fall through the cracks somewhere? I don't think so. In fact, I know, I know not. This boils down to relationship. It's a relationship with God. Any kind of relationship that you may have, whether it's a husband and a wife, or whether it's a parent with your children, or whether it's a relationship with your friends, there has to be what? Communication. You have to be able to communicate back and forth to each other. You have to be able to share your frustrations, your desires, your concerns, and not only share them, but you have to be able to work on them together. You have to be able to answer them together. You find those answers together. And that's even more important when we talk about our relationship with God. <coughs> Excuse me. Think about this. How, how can we really love Him unless we share our hearts with Him? How can we even begin to think like Him unless we ask Him what He thinks about us, what He thinks about our lives, what He thinks about the situation that we will face, the circumstances we face every day? We need to communicate. We need to have that desire to be close to Him so that we can understand better. And that falls right in with prayer. Right in with prayer. That's what we do. It's a fellowship with our personal God. And He is a personal God. He's told us He's a personal God. The more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend, the closer our relationship will be. Jesus prayed often. He prayed for will, for God's will and direction in His life. He prayed that he could resist temptation. He asked for courage. Those are the same basic things that you and I need. Nothing different there. Jesus went to God with his petition, with his questions. You think about this. When we, when we get down on our knees and pray, because he's a personal God, we're in the very presence of of God. We're right there, right in front of Him. In fact, Psalm 16 says, You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Being in His presence is joy. We get to be in His presence through prayer. Jeremiah in chapter 29, verses 12 and 13, the Lord's speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, Then you will call upon me, and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me, when you search for me with all your heart. God says, if you want to find me, and you seek with all your heart, here I am, you will find me. 
He says, if you want that relationship with me, here I am. You'll find me. He says, call upon me, call upon me, and I will listen. Pray to me, lift your heart to me, lift your voice to me, and I will listen. <clears throat> the next thing that I think is very important and that we should all really understand is that God answers our prayers. Not only does He listen, but He answers. God is faithful. And just a few examples of that. Remember in Genesis 15, the story of Abraham and Sarah. We've heard this many, many, many times, but Sarah and Abraham wanted a child. God answered their prayer. Now, He made them wait for a while, but He answered their prayer. They had a child. Remember in Exodus, when the Israelites were crying out to God to deliver them from Egypt. Again, it took a while, but He sent Moses... And what happened? Their prayers were answered. They were delivered. And Daniel. Daniel prayed to God that he would have the wisdom to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It wasn't his power. It was God's power. And God answered his prayer. <clears throat> but you know... He doesn't always answer those prayers the way we want them to be answered, the way that we think maybe they should be answered. And an example of that is in 2 Corinthians 12. Remember the story of Paul. Paul called and cried out to the Lord to remove this thorn that's in my flesh. Not just once, not twice, but three times he called out to him to remove the thorn. Did God take it out? Did he take it away? Mm -mm. Did he answer his prayer? Oh, yeah. He answered it. And what did he say? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul got his answer. Maybe not so much what he wanted, but he got the answer he needed. He got what God wanted from him and with him. James, in James 5, he tells us that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Carries a lot of weight. And you think about that. <clears throat> he makes the example here of Elijah. Remember the story of Elijah. Elijah prayed that it would not rain on the land for three and a half years. And it did not rain for three and a half years. Elijah didn't cause it not to rain. Elijah's prayer to God caused it not to rain. God's power. And then when that three and a half years was over, Elijah prayed again and the rains came. God answered him again. And you know, you think about passionate prayers, passionate prayers from godly men or women will accomplish many things. That's what he's telling us there. And it's not the prayer so much or even the people so much. It's God's power. But when we pray with the right motives and when our heart's in the right place, God says not only will He hear, 
but he will answer. We should never, ever underestimate the power of prayer. Never. Because what we're doing is we're petitioning, or we're asking, we're placing the situation in God's hands. This is the God, remember, who created the whole universe, and we're asking Him to do something either for us, with us, or someone else. We're petitioning Him. And quite honestly, if we don't believe that He can do it, we shouldn't even ask. If we don't believe that He will answer, if we don't believe that He will hear, don't ask. The next thing I want to look at is who. Who do we pray to? That's, that should be a no-brainer, folks. That should be so easy to answer there. God, we pray to God. God the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Remember in the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. If there's no other gods, there's no other god to pray to. There's no idols, there's no statues. When we lift up our voice, we're lifting it up to God, the God of the universe, the God of the Bible. Next, I think it's very important for us to pray for each other. Intercessory prayer. There's nothing more encouraging for me or uplifting for me than hearing or knowing that someone is praying for me or my family whether that's to ease my pain or lessen my burden or give me wisdom or whatever that may be. Someone is actually going to the Lord on my behalf and lifting me up to Him. That is encouraging, folks. That is very encouraging. And we've all experienced that. We've all experienced how that works in our lives. But I can do the same thing back, right? I can pray for you. And I should pray for you, and I do pray for you, and I will pray for you. It's incredible, the power that we have through prayer. But that's also why it's important for us to share our burdens with each other. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we just need to tell everybody everything. But there are things that we should share with each other so that we have the opportunity to lift those concerns up to God. You know, God knows what's going on in our lives. We don't. He does. James even says in chapter 5 again, to confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be, he says, healed. But you could substitute for healed, comforted, Encouraged, strengthened, etc. Fill in the blank. We should pray for each other. When I thought about this too, I thought, you know, I can come to your house and I can help you do something. I can help you paint your house. I can help you build a porch, dig a ditch, whatever it might be. We went to the Huns a few months ago and helped them repair their house. We went to Pat's and did some work around her house. We can do that physically. We can do that. 
But if you're dealing with a trial, if you're, you're dealing with some sort of situation, a circumstance in your life that's not something physically that I can do, the first thing and the absolute best thing for me to do is pray for you. First and best. You know, you think about it. Let's say uh, you need surgery. Maybe it's just minor surgery. Who do you want to operate on you? A trained, skilled surgeon or me? I didn't even sleep at the Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't want me operating on you. Now, <clears throat> in that situation, I can lift that burden up to God. I can do that. I can do that. And that's the best thing I can do. <clears throat> when you think about it, this falls right along the lines of brotherly love as well. And James talked about that. Jesus talked about that, that we should love each other. It's commanded for us to love one another. It only makes sense, then, if we love one another, that we pray for one another. We should also pray for those in authority. Paul talks about this, and he writes in 1 Timothy 2, I urge you... Then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. He says, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and all holiness. Authority. And remember at the time that Paul was writing this letter, who was in authority? Who was the Caesar at that time? Nero. And remember what Nero did to the Christians persecuted them terribly. Paul said, pray for those in authority. And he didn't say ex in parentheses except Nero. He said, pray for those in authority. <clears throat> you know, we don't have a Nero. Thank God that we don't deal with that. But we do have people that are in authority over us. The first one that comes to my mind is the President of the United States. The man has a huge responsibility. It's a very difficult job. And whether you agree with him, whether you love him, whether you hate him, we pray for him because he is in authority. He is in a position of authority over us. The lawmakers of this country whether that be on the national level, whether that's the local level, we should pray that those men have insight and wisdom. Because if there's laws out there that we don't like and we want to see them changed, abortion, marriage laws, those types of things, how are we going to see them changed if someone's not changing them? You know, anyone who has any type of an authority position over us, whether that be your boss, your manager, your supervisor at work, whatever that be, children, your parents, we need to pray for them, for wisdom. And you know, I, I just said we've never had a, a Nero in our lives to deal with in this country. 
But that doesn't mean that somewhere out there there's not a politician that may just be radical enough, that may, the moral values and their <coughs> stands on different things could wreak havoc in our system if they really got in there. First of all, we can pray that someone like that's not even put in that position, and then we can do our civil duty and vote. But we also have to remember that Paul told us in Romans 13, 13.1, there is no authority except that which God has established. God put him there. God allowed him to be there. So let's put it back in his hands. And you know, I thought, why, does, why would somebody like that get in a position like that? How did somebody get there? Maybe, just maybe, someone was put in a position like that because God wants us to pray for them. It's just a thought. <clears throat> Something that I've always had a hard time dealing with when it comes to prayer is your enemies. We should pray for our enemies. Jesus said to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He said he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God loves the hater as much as the hated. And I have to admit, personally, I don't know anyone that I would say hates me, right? Good. That's a good, that's a good answer. And I don't personally know anyone that I hate, personally. But you know, I do know that there's many people around this world that hate us, that hate our way of life, that hate our country. They don't like the way we look. They don't like the way we act. They don't like the way we live. And unfortunately, they hate us enough <coughs> to steal airplanes and fly them into the World Trade Centers. They hate us enough to fill a truck with a bomb, park it in front of a federal building, and blow it up. They even hate us enough to strap bombs on their own backs and go into a crowded place full of innocent people and blow it up in the name of their God. <coughs> and what do I want to do in that situation? I want their heads. That's what I want. I want them to pay for what they've done. God says, Jesus says, pray for them. You know, again, that's not our natural response. Not our natural response. It has to be a supernatural response. That supernatural response comes from God. Giving the situation to God, not trying to take care of it on our own, not trying to take the law into our own hands. Only God's going to give us the strength to love our enemies. Jesus taught us that it's more important to deal out justice than to receive it. That's sometimes a hard concept for us, but that's what he taught. He said that by praying for our enemies, we can overcome evil with good. 
So we need to pray again that God gives us the strength to pray for our enemies. Because if you're like me, I don't have it. I don't have it. I need it from him. What? What do we pray for? Again, remember, this is not an exhaustive study by any means. These are just some of my own thoughts. But if your family is anything like my family, there is never a lack of prayer concerns or issues. It just seems like it goes from one to another to another to another. And I can sit up here and say, oh, woe is me. But that's life. That's my life. That's your life. There's plenty of things out there for us to pray for. <coughs> Again, the first thing I thought about was salvation. Salvation. Those who don't know Christ, those who have not accepted Christ, and this may hit real hard home because if you're like me, you may have family members that don't know the Lord. You may have very good friends that don't know the Lord. Quite honestly, anyone that's not accepted Christ as their Savior falls into that category. And we should pray for them. 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes, God our Savior wants all men to be saved. All men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. All men. Peter basically says the same thing in 2 Peter 3.9. He says, God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, everyone to come to repentance. We have, you and me, have a responsibility to pray not just for who we know personally that needs Christ, but anyone and everyone around the world. <clears throat> you know, we can share the gospel with someone, and we can make it as clear as we possibly can. And their answer may be, thanks, but no thanks. So that doesn't mean that we just say, done with them, and walk away. Because we can still lift that person up to God. We can still pray that God will open their eyes, open their heart, open their ears, and someday come to know Him. Nothing we've done, it's all in God's hands. You know, it's also important that we need to pray that the gospel continues to spread, that the message continues to, to go out and, and keep going and keep going. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Paul again writes, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. People need to be reached. And that, the first thing that pops into my head about that is missionaries. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate, appreciate <coughs> excuse me, about our group, our little church here, is how we support missionary groups. How important it is to us that that message gets spread because we, we can't reach all of those people around the world. 
but we can help and we can influence and we can fund and we can pray for those who can. It's not a matter of just spending money. It's not a matter of just giving them funds. That helps. But there's more power in prayer. We need to pray for them regularly. We need to ask that God gives them a boldness and strength because I'm sure that some of these young people are really facing some difficult situations. We need to pray for perseverance, that they can continue if they start to feel defeated. You know, and there's a lot of people in this world, a lot right here in the United States, but when you compound that through the rest of the world that don't or haven't heard the gospel, and like I said, maybe we can't tell them all, but we can certainly pray for those who are out there trying to reach them. Another thing that I felt was important to pray is for wisdom. James 1, 5 says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to him. It will be given to him. Remember the story of Solomon. God placed Solomon on the throne and said, What would you like? What do you want? And what did Solomon say? He could have asked for anything. He asked for wisdom. He was granted wisdom. And not only that, we know the story. God blessed him tremendously. Solomon knew how important it was for wisdom. Wisdom helps us make the right decisions, make the right choices. It's very important for us to have wisdom when you're Raising children, we need wisdom because it's a difficult situation sometimes for us. We need wisdom. We want to make the right decision. And think about this. You know, even if we get to a point where we're so overwhelmed, where we feel so defeated, that we don't even know what to pray for, God has even made a provision for that for us. He says in Romans 8.26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words cannot express. The Holy Spirit will intercede for us even when we don't even know what to pray for. That's incredible. Because we're not left on our own. We're not left dangling out there. We're not left hanging in the balance. The Holy Spirit knows. God knows. It's a win-win situation for us. Finally, I just want to say about that too. You think about wisdom. If our motives are right, when we need wisdom... We can pray, and it says God will supply all we need. And you think about this. This is like being in a, in a pitch-dark room, and there's all these things, all these obstacles around the floor, and you can't see them. But you know there's a light switch somewhere, and you, you're trying to find a switch, and as you're stumbling around the room, you're, you're, you're falling and tripping and banging into all these things in the room. And this is like sometimes how we feel when we're confused and we're not sure 
what to pray for. And we pray to God and say, Lord, I'm not even sure what I'm doing here. I don't even know for sure what I need here. And he flips on the light and says, there it is, right in front of you. You can see it. We don't need to stumble around in the dark. We don't need to stumble around on all the hard decisions that we have to make because we can pray to God and ask for wisdom for Him to help us make the right choice. Next, I want to look at how. How do we pray? First of all, I think it's under, <clears throat> excuse me, it's important that we understand the relationship we have with God. We talked about that a few minutes ago, how important a relationship is. But we have to realize that Scripture tells us that we are sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the living God. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, Paul talks about that. We're God's sons and daughters. Our sons and daughters are our personal children. I have told many times, you can come to me and ask me and talk to me about anything you want. I'm not going to tell you you're going to like the answer, but you can come to me, and I want you to. We're God's sons and daughters. Romans 8, 15 through 7 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. You know, think about that. That's a huge, huge deal for us. Because we're heirs of the throne, we have a freedom through Christ. We have freedom through Christ to come to Him anytime we want without any hesitation or any fear. And I thought about that. You know, you think in biblical times, you have a king in his court, and if you were a common person, chances are you would not get an audience with the king. He didn't want to mess with you. He didn't have time for you. And that even trickles down in today. If I just called up the White House and said, you know, hey, I'd like to come over Thursday and have coffee with the president... It's not going to happen. I, no matter what I do, I'm probably not going to get an audience with the President of the United States. I can go to God anytime I want to because I'm His Son. And you know, when you're in a situation where you can't, get, you can't actually get to someone, when you've got to make an appointment, that kind of causes us to lose some confidence in the situation there a little bit. Because now, it seems like we're not important to that person that, well, I can see you a week from tomorrow or whatever it may be. It doesn't build a lot of confidence in in ourselves in that situation. But with God, we should be extremely confident because he doesn't require appointments. He's not like that king or that president. He's not unapproachable. In fact, the way we approach him, Paul writes... In Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. God doesn't want us to be timid when we come to him. He doesn't want us 
to be unsure. And again, I thought about this, and I, <clears throat> my children sometimes come to me, and they ask me what I call a presumptive question. And if you're not sure what I mean by that, they will come and they will say something like, I don't suppose I can have a Coke right now, Dad. And I'll say, no, you suppose right. <clears throat> but the point of the matter is, they're coming to me basically already having the answer to their question. Because they're not really asking me. They're telling me in a way that I don't think you're going to do this, but I'm going to ask anyway. That's not boldness. That's timidity. That's being a little reserved. Paul said, God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, of love, self-control. That's how we come before the throne. That's how we come to pray boldly. We have assurance that our audience is always granted with God. Always. And we can be confident in that. Moving on, the next thing, being persistent and consistent in your prayer. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Now, again, we have to be careful because Jesus also warned us in Matthew 6, 7, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul's saying that we need to be consistent. We need to have a sense of sincerity, a sense of urgency, compassion. It's not so much what we're saying, it's how we're saying it. We have to remember again, God always hears, but He also knows our motives. And if He thinks it's selfish or self-centered, it doesn't align with His will, it's not going to fly. We need to pray with thanksgiving. We need to be thankful. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, sometimes it's really hard to be thankful in certain situations. You know, especially when it seems like your prayers aren't being answered, or they're obviously not being answered the way you wanted them to be. God hears, God listens, He will answer our prayers, and it may not always be the way we want them, but it will always be the way we need. That's what we have to hang on to. That's what we have to hang our hats on. It will always be what we need. These next two, when and where, they really work together. When do we pray? Where do we pray? First of all, when? When do you pray? There's no set ritual. There's no set time frame. Scripture says, Psalm 55, 17, Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Evening, morning, noon, all day. Any time during the day. Lift my voice, he will hear. Any time, night or day. God's always on duty. The old saying, 24, 7, 365. He's always on duty. When you call out to him, you're not going to get a busy signal. You're not going to get transferred to a voicemail. You won't get put on hold. There's no automated system that you have to go through to get to him. He's right there. 
right there in front of us, right there listening. You know, when I thought about this, spontaneous prayer, and I know we've all experienced spontaneous prayer, something that we hadn't specifically planned for, because our circumstances change. Our circumstances change just like that. When I thought about this, I thought about those people on that bridge in Minnesota here a couple weeks ago. I'm sure when they were driving on that bridge, they had no intention of that thing caving in on them. But it did. Change their lives again, just like that. About those miners that were trapped in Utah. When they went down in that shaft that day, I'm sure they hadn't planned on it caving in on them. But it did. And it changed just like that. We have to be ready to pray. We have to be ready to lift our voices, to lift our hearts, to lift our concerns in an instant to God. We don't know from one minute to the next what's going to happen. We might have an idea, but God knows. God knows, and He's always there. He's always waiting. Where? Again, goes along with when. Where do we pray? 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul writes, Therefore I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Everywhere. Pray everywhere. Everywhere and anywhere. Have you ever been out in public? Maybe you were shopping, maybe at the library, I don't know, someplace in public, and you just feel the need to pray for someone or something. Has that ever happened? What did you do? Did you pray? Did you stop and pray? You know, and I'm not saying that you need to get down on your knees in the middle of the library or sprawl out on the floor but if the Holy Spirit has put something on your heart for you to pray for, I think it's important. I think He's... You need to listen, and we need to pray. And it takes just a minute or just a second to stop and close your eyes and pray and lift whatever that is up to God. Anywhere and everywhere. We can pray at work. We can pray in our vehicles. We can pray at home, especially with our children. And here... We pray here at church. You know, our prayers have no limits. There's no boundaries. There's no timetables. And there's no specifications. It's all about the freedom. All about the freedom that we have through Jesus that gives us instant access, instant on to God. Right there. Right to the throne. Right to the footstool of the throne of grace and mercy. We can go. <clears throat> when our prayers line up with God's will, when our prayers line up with God's will, the old saying goes, it's a match made in heaven. Think about that for just a minute. It's a match made in heaven. When our prayers line up with God's will, So in closing here, I just want to recap this real quick. I know I ran through this. First of all, why do we pray? Why should we pray? It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship. We want to strengthen that relationship. It's communicating with Him. Why do we pray? Because He listens. He's listening to us. Why do we pray? He answers those prayers. Who do we pray to? 
God, period, point blank. No other explanation, none needed. We pray for each other. We need prayer. We should pray. It's good for each and every one of us to pray for one another. We pray for the authorities. We pray for our enemies. What do we pray for? Salvation is good to pray for. It's a very important thing. It's the best thing we could pray for. Pray that the gospel, the message continues, keeps spreading. We pray for wisdom. How? Boldly, persistently, continuously. When? Anytime. Where? Everywhere. We need to remember that prayer and praying is not a duty. It's not some responsibility that we have to perform or that we need to perform because we feel obligated that we should. It's an honor and it's a tremendous, tremendous honor and a blessing that's been given to us by God because we're sons and daughters to come before Him and pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that You are a personal God. Lord, Your door is always open. Lord, the communication lines to You are never busy. They're never closed. Father, we can come before You anytime, anywhere. And Lord, we can lift our concerns, our struggles, our fears, our passions. We can lift them all up to You, Father, and we know that You will hear and we know that You will answer. And Lord, we need to remember that, as I said, this is a tremendous honor to be able to come before you. It's never something we should take lightly. We should never again underestimate the power of prayer because Scripture tells us, Lord, with you, all things are possible. We praise you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.